Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Thank you for your patience as we get the whole crew here to talk about this beautiful disaster as the Falcons lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 14. We're here to break it down on our post-game show. I'm, of course, your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin joined by my co-host. First of all, we have Jordan Watkins. He's at Big 75, fella. Jordan, welcome back. I'm sorry you had to witness that game uh, as well. But uh, other than other than the game, how are you doing today? Yeah, that was... Uh... And every it's one of those games where look we and we're gonna get into it. We talk about field goals and all this, but every single phase of the game had at least one moment where they they let you down, which is disappointing. But I guess still everything's in front of you. I, I, I guess <laughs> they no longer control their destiny because the Bucks now own the tiebreaker. Um, they they have the yeah. tiebreaker because of common opponents. So if the Bucks win out, they will win the division. Um. Now, the, as we talked about, they do have to play the Packers on the road next week, which, given how the Bucks performed against these Falcons, who we know are, you know, middling at best, uh, the Packers heating up quite a bit, you know, that's definitely not a guarantee that they win that game. So we'll, we'll see exactly what happens there. But, uh, yeah, definitely a lot to talk about, a lot of frustration also to break it down with us. We have Alan Sterk at Alan Sterk on the Twitters. Alan, how are we doing today? Uh, it was fun for a bit, but... <laughs> Oh man, what a frustrating loss! Like, uh, like how you are with Kyle Pitts, I am with Drake London. Like, I think Drake London <laughs> should get twelve targets a game. Yeah, yeah. I, in a dream world, eight minimum, and it was great to see Drake London do his thing. But besides that, and oh, big shout out to Kane Ellis. We are definitely giving Kane Ellis some love, man. What a oh place. yeah. But it's like they had a few good individual performances, but it's just. I mean, even the, yeah, like the only consistent yeah. thing about this team is. They turn the ball over and they put themselves in disadvantage all the time. I can't even say disadvantageous properly because I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just at a loss. It's late. Words right yeah. Now. yeah, it's four yeah. thirty. Yeah. You know, we're a couple beers deep, probably. So yeah, disadvantageous. That's a tough one to get out in that situation. But <laughs> guys, we're gonna break it all down. We're gonna get, uh, we're gonna get to it because um, we had a lot to cover and we got to give the defense their flowers once again for. Over trying to overcome this offense, uh, which statistically speaking, it didn't play that poorly. But if you actually watch the game, you know where the blame lies, despite the gaudy yardage numbers. Um, so we're going to get into it, guys. Um, and this one, and you know, shout out to the Falcons for destroying my prize picks. Also, shout out to prize picks uh, by absolutely shutting down Mike Evans, who I had the the, uh, the more than number on for Mike Evans. So, you know, um, I'll accept that loss. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't result in a Falcons win, even though they shut down Mike Evans, which is very unusual for this team. Um, so we'll get to that, guys. Real quick, want to bring you a quick word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Guys, Bet online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests, whether it's the NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL. They are all in full swing, and Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. The best part is Bet Online has both desktop and now mobile access at any time. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to that website, betonline.ag today, and use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just don't ever bet on the Falcons. I think I think we can all, you know, I, I'm kind of obligated because of my prize picks, you know, and, and you know, I feel like I got to involve some Falcons in there. 
given that I do it on the, the game preview show and the post game show. But other than that, uh, you know, I'm obligated to do that, but you're not. So please, please don't bet on the Falcons. But no matter what you decide to bet on, guys, head to betonline.ag where the game starts. And we'll get to a recap of those doomed prize picks uh, here at the end of the show as well. But I know we got a bunch of donations coming in. Thank you guys. Uh, letting you guys know that we are starting up our Senior Bowl fundraiser because we are getting close to the Senior Bowl somehow. It's a little over a month and a half away now. So we're going to be starting that up now. Um, so appreciate all the donations for that too. Thank you guys so much. Um, but yeah, let's... Oh man, I don't even know where to start here. Jordan, I'll, I'll open the floor to you first. Um just a very frustrating game. I mean, I was just kind of seething about it. Um it, because it's it's so it was so winnable. The Bucks are just not very good, you can tell. Uh and the defense like I just I want to like give the defense a big hug because it's like these guys just fight through so much. They 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 are down three of their most key starters. David Onyemata, Nate Landman, you know, Jeff Okuda, they're starting outside corner and they they play a great game up until the the fourth quarter where they're just completely shutting the Bucks down, keeping this thing close, and then the Falcons' offense just hands them a steaming turd, like, over and over and over again, where they do just nothing, and, man, um, I just can't believe it. Uh, it it's absolutely nuts that, that the defense can play this this well. Yeah, sure, they give up 29 points, but the offense is responsible for, like, at least 10 directly, if not more. So, I don't know, Jordan, where do you want to start with this one? There's There's so much to, to get to. Well, I mean, I, I, I do want to say overall, in terms of the effort up front of the defensive line, we'll talk about, you know, how they actually performed in a bit, but I want to talk about the effort. I want to tip my cap to those guys up front, right? You think about Calais is 150 years old, and he's got to play pretty much every single snap down the stretch because you got injuries going into the game and also injuries during the game, right? And that was going to be, that was my biggest concern was if this is a close game late, I felt like Tampa, again, with the success that they have found in the Reading game of the last few weeks, that was going to really start to show up and wear our guys down. So, of course, when we had that that lull offensively where it's just everything is a punt, I knew having those guys out there continuously with, with very minimal to no subs was going to be a problem, not only just stopping the run, but then, of course, if you don't have the legs to get a pass rush, when you need to get that big-time stop, that's going to hurt too. When we already have problems getting that big-time sacker or pressure as it is at times um now that being said you know again it's i know a lot of people are just going to say you know what i don't care you're out there you got to find a way to get the job done and you know i totally get that and understand it but um i just said just from an effort standpoint i did want to shout that out i thought that you know again i think even defensively in the on the back end it was one of those situations where and for the most part, and I thought that Adam Archuleta did a good job of uh, designing this and, and illustrating it during the game, um, you know, while we were missing another snap of Star Wars play. Uh, but, yeah, we did a lot of good things, mixing things up here or there. And, man, there were just a couple of plays. If a ball bounces this way or yep, that yep. way, you know, it could have been a turnover, right? I know Calais gets his hand on Baker Mayfield on one. Uh, I think there was another where – Clark Phillips. I think Clark Phillips. Yeah, yeah Clark Phillips yeah, had a almost. had a great one. Obviously, shout out to Clark Phillips. He he had a great game. I know that let that penalty hurt the last drive, but he played a really great game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where yeah, you look at the raw numbers. Yeah, he gave up twenty nine points to Baker Mayfield in, in that group, but well, twenty seven because he got a safety as well. But 
man, it's one of those things of you just saw the lack of complimentary football offensively and defensively and, and the defense had to pay for it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just ugly. Um, I, I just, I'm frustrated by it because like you said, I, I think the defense did everything humanly possible. I, I expected that they were not going to play as well as they did in this one. And, and honestly, they probably should have, I mean, the Bucks should have scored less than 20, but unfortunately we got the safety. We got what should have been a pick six from just a terrible play call that they ran that thing like four times before it was picked off. It's like, why, why do you think you could just do that in the NFL? Like, Carlton Davis made a great play, don't get me wrong, but, like, you can't just keep running that same play over and over again. I mean, it's... So, you, <laughs> so here, here's the thing about that, because I know a lot of people were getting on, I think, was it Van Jefferson, and who else was out there? Yeah, yeah it was like, oh, the block was blown, which, sure, it was, yes. Okay, which is true, yeah. but here's the thing. When somebody knows, I'm, I'm telling you this from, again, from a defensive standpoint, because I remember... There was one year we played Colorado, and I knew just based off tape, the guard is leaning a certain type of way in his stance. He's pulling. And, you know, the center, he's blocking back, trying to get me. I'm like, I don't care. I'm shooting right away because I know this guard's pulling. If I can beat the center trying to block back on me, I get a TFL. And that's literally what happened. And even my D-line coach said, how did you read that right away? So I saw him leaning in a stance. After a while, these guys are smart, good players. And if you telegraph what's coming like that, it's almost impossible to get a block. Because I'm sure, you know, automatically, whether that's Van Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, they're expecting, okay, he's probably going to be here when I'm trying to take this flight path in this in this angle to get that block. But no, if you have someone like Winfield as good and as athletic as he is shooting it because he knows what's right what's coming right away, it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to, to have that situation. And so both play calls, I mean, that, that we had, right around, you know, with our backs against the goal line where I just didn't get it. You know, yeah. like, why are we doing this with another two-man route? And, you know, I get it. You want to say well, Ritter needs to throw the ball away. I can't even tell you where he's supposed to because, one, if he's in the pocket, he yeah. throws it away. That's still a safety. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what was, you know, where you can throw it around someone's feet or whatever out in the um, in the route concepts. I'd have to take another look at that. But I guess, you know, I kind of laughed at myself because I said, well, I guess we'd either do this or run another stretch play. So I don't know which one, you know, I really, (laughs) really wouldn't want to see more. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, man, I, I'm just so pissed off, but uh, Alan, I'll let you take a turn here because I I don't really know what else to say about that. I'm sure you have some similar thoughts, but anything in particular you wanted to highlight there? I feel like it was like the third time and it was only the first core where it was just, the quick dump off where you have the two guys blocking. Like, I think they did once to John Smith and once to Beaton. So I feel like they were, it was bound, it was so predictable. Like, it was bound to be yes. telegraphed. And then Carlton Davis just breezes through. And it's just like, uh, like, I know they had to compensate, like, the offensive line. Geez, you, you, I think it kind of reminded me of that 2014 game against the Vikings where Levon Tolo had to play right tackle at one point. That's how bad it is. Yeah. Were. Maybe not quite this long because we didn't see any tight ends out there, but at the same time, uh, you still had like Tyler Rabel playing, which was just like, wow, okay. Um, yeah, I think Ryan Neal is it Ryan Neasel? That's how you say his name, Yeah, Newsflash. I actually thought yes. he ran the backups like relatively well. Yes, the backups were like fine, and that's that's yeah. the, the worst thing about it is like you could, if the backups were just getting blasted, it's like, okay. We had to have all these backups in, you know, it was brutal. But no, that's that didn't happen. That was not the problem. <laughs> right. And it's just like, that's why I feel like, like Arthur Smith has these moments where he just fades away from the run game and he's 
whole identity is built on the run game. Like, like you look at the, I think it was a stretch where it was like six drives where like four of them didn't even go more than 10 yards, something like that. And yeah. just you saw like first down weren't really any runs. And it's just, you're putting Ritter in these second, third long situations. And it's just, I don't want to put the whole entire game on Ritter because I do think some of it was a play calling issue, but you just had these moments where, okay, the play calling is very predictable just to throw to John Smith that they're targeting or it's this you know quick dump off that they're already prepared for. Then there's other moments where you have a nice one-on-one matchup downfield with Scotty Miller and Ritter just he puts the ball where the corner McCullough could probably make a really good play on the ball. But if he leads him more into the middle of the field, I think Scotty Miller probably has a good chance to score a touchdown. Yeah, and I it's mean, just those yeah. moments. Like Ritter is just the high. It's just so high variance, but the lows are just costly. Like it's like okay, you have the zone read where he makes a phenomenal play, and he's getting better when it comes to being a ball carrier. But yes, he could have thrown. He could have thrown what four picks today, and mm-hmm. it's just. Oh this yeah, team just always turns the ball over. Ironically, yes. they didn't turn the ball. They didn't turn the ball over against one of the best defenses in the league that turn forces turnovers against practically everyone, which makes this season even more bizarre. But nevertheless, it's just there's just no consistency in that aspect. And I do think when you look at the offense, while they were in the rut and the passing game being so disjointed, you just gotta go more to the run game. And you look at that last drive with Tyler Algier rumbling. Like, I know he's accustomed to being the fourth down closer or the fourth quarter closer excuse me i just think you, and then Bijan making some splash plays i just think them fading away from the run game and putting too much on ritter's plate is what really cost them and just they couldn't get into offensive rhythm because of it well yeah. again part of that too is what run plays are you calling but there were there was a point in that in this game where i think they they threw it three straight plays i actually was okay with that drive like yeah let's not get overly, it was going okay yeah um yeah i'm like i was like you know let's not get overly you know um obvious in what we're doing here but then again, you know, so usually the way we we would always talk about, you know, in terms of starters and backups on the on the uh, on offensive line, usually if you get to the league, you're already a, at least an average run blocker, right? Like the difference is usually what are you doing in the pass game? And to top it all off, it'd be one thing if we were talking about this this offensive line going up against that defensive line if Vita Vea was playing. And no no do, no disrespect here to Greg Games, I think he's a good player. But my point on this more so being you still probably had a chance where you could attack the middle of that defense based on what they were losing to. And again, it was there was so much stuff though where I saw where it would be, okay, we're gonna run stretch again here. Well, oh, that doesn't work, right? Like it still was a lot of slow developing stuff. No, let these guys get, go up right away. Cause I think when we did have some downhill running game, you did see some good blocks from some guys up front. I know Storm Norton had a pretty good pancake, you know. Um uh, I keep slipping Lindstrom his name. Had 73. Lindstrom yeah. had a good few when he was when he was in there. 73, I saw he actually, it wasn't a lot, but he got a, a good little piece of uh, Levante David, I believe, on that jet, that jet sweep for, Bij- for Bijan. And so you saw some good things popping up from those guys up front in the run game. And you just, again, the same, like, w- w- the way we got worn down, I don't know why we didn't try to wear their guys down too since they were missing up front as well. Yeah, I mean, it. I just don't understand the game plans ever. Like, they just never do the, the correct thing with their game planning. It's always the wrong thing. Like, it's it, it, it's like, oh, they have a bad run defense. We should be run heavy. They air it out. It's like, oh, we should throw the ball because they have the best run defense in the league. They try to smash it into a brick wall with this outside zone 15 times in the first quarter. 
this game was like one of those where it's like, they probably should be balanced. Like, honestly, they should throw the ball because this Tampa Bay defense is very vulnerable to the pass. As we saw, they gave up yeah. 347 yards. Bowles you know, tends so. to play soft zone coverage. I know Todd yeah. Bowles is known for being a aggressive play caller, but there's like you watch that Houston game as great as CJ Stroud was. Like, there were openings there. And you even saw with some of the catches Drake London made, like, it was just non contested. So yeah. there was opportunities to be had there, but it's just, ah, oh, man. You only want to put so much on Ritter's plate, it's just because he just puts the ball in harm's way, and it's just it's frustrating. Like I, I don't know where you go from it because I know Kevin, you were very critical of Ritter's bad moments, and I don't know. Like, look, we don't got to have a, we don't have to talk about his outlook. Like we know he's not the long term <laughs> star, but yes, but I, I don't know. Do you take any real positives for looking at you know this from your standpoint? Like, what were the highlights from him in this game? Do you think? He's still the guy that could guide them to, you know, winning the NFC South. I mean, anybody could win this division. These teams both right, suck. Yeah, like, like, they're terrible. terrible. <laughs> like, these teams suck, man. All of these hey, teams suck. Like, hat on right now. Yeah. No, like, I mean, this division is so winnable. Like, yeah, the Falcons absolutely could still win this division, but it won't be because they're a good Have team. I mean, Carr, like, yeah. Have you seen Derek Carr? Yes. Can I interest you in the Carolina Panthers, you know, like – these teams both suck. Like this, this division is awful. So yes, absolutely. Ritter could lead them to the playoffs, but he just can't do it, man. He can't not turn the ball over. It's, it's impossible. Like he should have had four picks in this game. I'm not kidding. Like those, those, so many of those, like that amazing catch by Drake London. That's a pick. If Drake London doesn't make a heroic freaking catch that was going right to Anton. Why you have, and that kind yes, of point, yes. why you have Drake London though? Like, exactly. I mean, yes, but get, like, he's not going to be a burner that's going to get big time players downfield. He's going to be the guy that goes yes. over your head, bean taps you, and then we keep things moving. That's why you yeah. drafted him in the first oh, yeah. place. So, so I'm glad they targeted Drake London because they target anyone else on that play. It's a pick, but like, so I'm not going to like ding him too much for that one. But it wasn't like it was well thrown. I mean, Drake London had to make a crazy attempt to get it mm-hmm. and like the, the scotty miller deep shots i mean that, that should have been one. picked like the one he that just... john smith like people are yeah. saying that was a he, the ball was in john smith's hands yeah john smith had to make a, a ridiculous adjustment yes. to even make it like he, he used like um ritter threw it down the seam like he had a like john smith had to attempt to make a back shoulder throw when you throw it down the seam you don't want your tight end or pass catcher or maybe the have to make a back shoulder throw like it's down the seam you gotta lead him and we're should thank Carlton Davis because Carlton Davis, I think, was the one corner who had the legal contact. So that was one. And then I think who's the oh, backup yeah. linebacker filling in for Devin White? You guys KJ remember his name? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Britt. he had one literally go through his hands. I think. Yeah, uh, that was that was a weird one. And I and again, like I I thought, and I because I know I just keep bringing up the broadcast crew because I know a lot of people have complained when we've had Jonathan Vilma or whomever else <laughs> in the last few weeks. Yeah. But I thought Adam Archuleta, when he needed to, did a pretty good job explaining some things, and he even talked about it where. On that that play that you're talking about, Alan, um, you know, it was it looked like he was just trying to it was almost like a predetermined throw. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to look this way to look off the linebacker. So he goes this way and then I'm just going right back. Like There was no other read to it or any read period. And look, I'm not here to defend Desmond Ritter and make him seem like he's better than what he might be or not be. I just am curious. And I, I ask this because, you know, I'm not in the meeting rooms. How much of, of some of that stuff is that's just how poorly he always sees the field? Because he did have some misses in terms of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, some throws he did or didn't make today, right? Third down to Scotty Miller. He should have should have thrown that. Instead, he tried to run. There were a couple of like that. 
But I wonder at the same time how much of it sometimes is either he's just not seeing it or also it's, hey, we're telling you on this play, this is your one read and you just got to throw it. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a, it's a percentage both ways. Yeah, it is. And like, this wasn't one of Ritter's worst games, but I'm, I'm just saying guys, like he puts the ball in harm's way so much. You can't depend on the defense to drop picks all the time because it's, it's not going to happen all the time. And um, he has to clean that up and he hasn't really, he, he, he's aggressive with it and he throws, but like Desmond Ritter is an intermediate passer. Like, the zip he gets on those intermediate balls in that like 10 to 20, like 10 to 20 yard range. It's beautiful. Like I think he throws that intermediate pass so well, that's what should be his bread and butter. And that's what should be your bread and butter against this Bucks defense that loves to play that soft zone. But they, they do keep those safeties back and Anton Winfield's super dangerous down there. He's going to go and pick off those deep shots. If they're, if they're at all errant, he's going to go get those balls. That's why he won NFC defensive player of the week last week. And, like, deciding to go for this, like, balls-to-the-wall deep, like, let's bomb it against the Bucks. that's not what their defense is the worst at. They're, they're the worst at giving up these chunk 10 to 20-yard passes because they just have all, there's all this space in the middle of the field. And we just didn't really target that. It was, like, either a deep shot or a screen, and that was it. Like, and it's not, it's not what Ritter does best. Like, Ritter can throw deep. But he needs a big target because he doesn't have great deep accuracy. And so when they threw it to their big targets like Kyle Pitts and Drake London, it works out okay because those guys can go make a play on the ball. But if you throw that's why Scotty Miller isn't working in this offense, because Scotty Miller's a deep receiver who can get open, but he doesn't have a big catch radius. So if you don't put that ball on him, he can't make a play on it. It's just that's he's a small speed receiver. So you gotta have an accurate deep quarterback to be able to hit him, or it's going to be a dangerous throw or a wasted pass. And like he threw the ball 40 times, 40. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And like the, the, sure the Bucks run defense is good, but they didn't have Vita Vea. Like it, they're not the same run defense without Vita Vea. They're just not. And they just really, they really didn't test them. They gave up 155 yards last week to the Panthers on the ground. Bijan gets 10 carries. Panthers like, O-line currently might just be as good as our backup O-line was today, too. I, I have Storm Norton. I think we found our swing tackle. I mean, I have no qualms with Storm it's Norton. It's remarkable how confident yeah. he is. Because if you watch him on the Chargers, yeah. he was an absolute yeah. train wreck. Like, yeah. it, it was a disaster watching him play. Yeah, so, and Noozle, and too. Like, Dwayne good Ledford job. Dwayne Ledford, salute to you, sir. Yeah, like, those def- those backup linemen held their own. You know, the Bucks don't have the NFL's most daunting pass rush, especially outside, but still, like, you know, they held up decently well. You know, not perfectly, but expectations are lowered when you got three backups in and four at one point in this game. And, like, man, like, I don't know how you go into this game knowing you're down multiple starters on the offensive line and do a bombs-away game plan. You're just asking for Ritter to get trucked or throw picks. Like, it, that's what I have the biggest problem with. Like, I don't think... Like, there were some bad play calls in this game, like overusing that freaking screen that almost ended in a pick six and did directly lead to a touchdown immediately afterwards. But, like, overall, like, it, the play calling wasn't that bad if you look at the individual plays. But if you look at the the game plans for this regime are the problem. Like, they don't, they come up with really bad game plans. Like, oh, we're down to our backup offensive line and this defense is vulnerable to intermediate passes and we can probably run because they're big run stuffers out. 
Let's let's throw forty times and really emphasize the deep ball. And and it 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 didn't work predictably. Like what was it? Seven straight punts that they had or something like that in the middle of this game. Six. Yeah. Like you you convert like and people are like, oh well, Young Mike missed two field goals. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that sucks. You know, that's he was literally perfect almost this season up until that point. He literally set the record for most accurate field goal kicker. You know what? A couple of weeks ago, since since he came into the league, um, and wasn't one of them like a fifty-four yarder? If I'm not mistaken, yeah, I know it, it was like, like fifty. It was dome, like, but like, yes. let's not say he missed like a forty-two yarder. I think like, one of them. Those weren't chip shots. No, yeah, I think like, one of them on, may have. Tucker a couple weeks yeah. ago against the Chargers, like there was a chance one of them was slightly blocked, but it was pretty Ooh. hard to tell. Um, it would have been like a fingertip type thing that just slightly altered it, but it, I couldn't really tell. So I'm not necessarily going to say one way or the other, but you can't depend on your kicker hitting every single field goal every game. You have to be able mm-hmm. to overcome that. And if you get one touchdown on six punting drives, you win the game, no question. If you don't just keep handing the ball back to the Bucks over and over and over again, I bet your defense isn't exhausted by the time the, the last drive comes around. And even then... The refs screwed them out of a fumble. Like they, it was a fumble. They blew it. Like that. That was game over. What's up with Andre Smith? One. Yeah. Yeah. That was game over. I don't think there was so, a clear recovery though. But that's the thing. It's the, the fact that they didn't call it a fumble on the field. Yes. Who knows what they say the recovery is going to be if you actually yes. get the call right when it's happening? They blow it dead. Um, there's no chance. Yeah. You know to see. Yeah. Like, again, Smith shouldn't have to waste the timeout there. Which. Yes. Hey, you look at the final drive. You probably could have used that timeout. So yeah. No. Yes. Especially. But I'm not. Ma- I'm not mad at him for calling. No. I mean, because calling if they get the call right, they yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So like yeah, but it's like I, again, it's like I'm not blaming the defense for giving up stuff on that last last drive when they were literally on the field the entire freaking game because the offense was so inept. They just punt over and over. And like most of those punting drives, they didn't even try to run. It was like two it was like a deep bomb to start the drive and then like one a run for like 2 yards on second and 10, which we know what analytics says about second and 10 runs. And like and then it's an incompletion on third down and there you go, you're punting again. Like it just, can I, can it, I point out two defensive players that I think that really let the Falcons down on that final drive? I know who one of them is, but yes, please, go ahead. Oh, yeah, okay. So, <laughs> one, I want to mention Lorenzo Carter because I don't understand how Lorenzo Carter falls for a potential zone read on fourth and one. I highly doubt the Bucks will put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands in that scenario. So yeah. the fact that Lorenzo Carter probably could have made a play on Rashad White instead goes after Mayfield and gets baited, disappointing. And then, I mean, how many times do we have to see Richie Graham man coverage just get targeted? It's almost week after week at this point. It's just yeah. the Falcons got to find another way to whether it's more Halems or more Trey Flowers. Like Richie Grant can't be the player anymore in these crucial situations matched up against the tight end because Solomon, Trey McBride, now Kate Auden, Hawkinson got him a bunch by missing one or two. It's just how many more times do we have to see this with Richie Grant? It's just he's clearly limited. So, and it's now cost him. We've seen yes. it in two games like that Trey McBride play pretty much got him in field goal range, and now you see with Kate Auden. So it's just the, yeah. Ryan Nielsen doing a fantastic mm-hmm. job. I just I hope he makes adjustments there. They're they're gonna go seen, out and get a real safety, basically. Like they're gonna go out and now, get a real like, second safety. I, yeah. Which I agree now, but like you gotta do better against these tight ends because it seems like almost week after week the Falcons get not abused, but they allow big plays at tight ends, and it's cost them now multiple games. So I'm hoping there's adjustments there. Look, I know Reggie Grant's gonna play, but it just I don't know. It, Two minute situations with the game on the line. I don't want him against the tight end because he's it, shown it's, repeatedly that he, it's he literally why Trey Flowers is here, and Trey Flowers is a better run defender too. So I don't know why the fuck we're putting 
Richie Grant yeah. in man coverage on tight ends when he just gets his ass kicked every time. Like, he just can't play man coverage against tight ends. He can't do it. He's always mm-hmm. out of position. He takes the wrong angles. He, he just gets bullied. That's literally why oh, Trey Flowers is here. And he gets penalized yeah. in the process, which makes yeah. it even more bizarre. Yeah. Like, even That's the McBride one, he got penalized for a whole lot. Yeah. So he gets beat and penalized. Like, yep. what a problem. Yeah, both of the both of the young safeties had a had a miss on uh at oh, least yeah. in terms of assignment or execution on that drive, right? Because again, when you're playing a certain leverage, you can't let a receiver cross your face, and that's what Otten does to Richie Grant on the touchdown. But then of course it looks like DeMarco Hellams also was in the wrong spot too yes. on that big play to Godwin. So mm-hmm. it was it was it was a mix of both of them. Um, you know, unfortunately, again, we're just in the situation where because we cannot look like there's still look, Richie Grant, I get it, you know. He's been here a few few more years, so things like that shouldn't keep happening to him. Marco Helms is still a rookie. We just really started thrusting him in a lot more um, on defense later on in the season, so there are going to be mistakes. The only unfortunate part of it, though, with this team is because of other situations where we do not do a good job of executing, we have no margin for error yep. of anything like that. Like this one MA or ME here, um, we have no margin for error for, for those. And, of course, you have two-on-one drive. That's on the last one of the game. It's going to cost you. Yeah, it's just that's that's how that's how thin the margin for error is. Where if you're like elite kicker misses a kick, you're you're cooked because you can't overcome three points. You can't overcome six points. Like especially when you turn the ball over three times. Also on top of that, you know, get the safety, you throw a pick, you fumble. I mean, they they could have lost the ball so many more times. Like it's just it's. It's clearly the coaching. This whole offense is stuck in the mud. It's sloppy. There's constant mistakes. And even when they get good plays, it's like they had to overcome some problem. Like, you have to throw up a miracle ball to Drake London that he has to make an insane catch on to keep it from being picked. And, like, it works. But but was it good process? Like, I mean, maybe. Maybe throw I, I mean, it. I all 22 for that one. Yeah. It, it, but it looked dangerous. From it was mind, dangerous but, as hell. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. But it, it worked. Well, so like, hey, give a shout it. to CBS. Like <laughs> CBS, significantly better than Fox when it comes to just giving you actual all twenty-two footage during the game, actually showing you what what's going on in coverage. Like I feel like Fox severely lacks in that. While CBS will give you high quality replays. So salute to yeah. CBS. Like I love the one moment where um, they showed Ritter. He missed Scotty Miller on a hitch that could have converted on third and six. That actually ended up in Coop missing a field goal. Like, that's the stuff you just don't get from Fox. Like I, I don't have a preference towards either network, but it just seemed like CBS really gave us things that you know we could actually assess and be like, all right, now we can have a formulated opinion on what went right and what went wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were a little iffy today because I mean <laughs> it was they. I mean they like they did do a good job. We talked about that third down play to Scotty Miller. I agree that was that was a good job of doing that. But oh wait, I just missed another snap to start a play. Okay, um, yeah, that was okay. And I still have no idea how many timeouts the Falcons have. True, like, I did. It, it was that. it was like that the whole game. I'm like, because I remember I was I was telling myself when we had to get ready for a last drive. I was like, okay, I know we challenged, or we called timeouts. We have to challenge. I think that was the only one. So we should have two, but I only see zero. And like I was so confused even a little bit on that final drive. Even the the broadcasters were right because yeah, I think uh, Sparrow yeah. said. It's like, yeah, well, they just called their second timeout. I was like, wait, we still have a timeout left? And he's like, oh, wait, no, that was the final one. Like, it, it was just so much confusion. Those are fair critiques. It's just Fox to me offers nothing. And just whether it's Schlereth or Vilma, it's like, you know where I'm going with this. It just, we don't get a lot of insight. So I, I appreciate CBS at least for giving us a better look because I, don't know, yeah. I feel like with, with the technology we have these days, these networks should be 
growing when it comes to giving viewers better angles of what's going on in the field. Yeah, I would yeah. think so. And we got, you know, we've now seen Desmond Ritter for 15 games. And, you know, shout out to Miles Garrett for, for compiling this. Only 2,700 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 5 fumbles. So he has 14 turnovers to 10 touchdowns. He's he's not an NFL starter. We know. Like, it's not it's not going to happen. So, you know, may, maybe he could develop down the road into something. I think I think clearly he's going to be a, a, a backup for you. I mean, I, I don't think it's not like he's shown nothing or anything like that. Like, I, I think Ritter clearly looks like he's an NFL player. It's just there's too many mistakes for him to be your, your starter. And like, yes, some of that is, is Arthur Smith screw ups, too. But you, you can't like Ritter would would need to have really lit it up and, and really crushed it over these final games to be able to be the starter long term. And he's not done that, not even remotely close to done that. So you have to get a new quarterback next year. If you go into next season with Ritter as your starter, like the fans will rightfully revolt and like be questioning this franchise because like maybe Ritter can develop into something, but you can't you can't depend on that. And and I mean, I, if it's me, I'm not giving Smith another year. Like we we know what this offense is. This this is three years of this offense. Be ready this is, for it though. Oh, it's coming. Here's, I know he's going to be the coach. I know. Here's the thing. Unless they lose the last four, like they would have to lose to Carolina. I, lose I, the, I just don't know. I think he's. I think he's here. He's like, going to be the coach. Obviously, he's going to. Y'all yeah. know me. I've been yelling about Arthur Smith since before the year started. Right, but here's how I can just see all this playing out. All right, we went from you know old Matt Ryan to try to get him out. Then we go to Marcus Mariota. So Desmond Ritter to Heineke, back to Ritter. Like, those are the guys. Now his plea is going to be, let me bring in my, quote-unquote, my guy and give me a chance with that. That I, I just see it coming. Again, I'm not saying I want it to happen. I just I, I, I just see it happening. So you're alluding to Ryan Tannehill, which – is that what you're alluding to? <laughs> I don't keep alluding to that. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, look, we could tell Brock Vandergriff to get out the transfer portal and, and come to the league. It doesn't matter who it is. That's, that's I'm just saying, I, I see it playing out that way. Yeah. I do I do like the fact that the, I, I know it might not fit for their aspirations to win this lovely division, but I, I like the fact that the Falcons get three of their last four on the road. Like, we're really going to see what this team is made of because the Bears are playing really good right now. I know the Panthers obviously don't offer much, but, like, the Falcons, they're going to be tested these last – not that they weren't tested today, but – we're really going to see what they're made of these last four games, especially given that this team has really struggled on the road. So, yeah, you know, if you want, I, I know, I know what they're made of. of. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what they're made of, Alan. Yeah, I'm talking about from a four seed standpoint. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying I, to build it up properly. Yeah, yeah, no, but, it's over. Yeah, I know it's over. Um, and and I would suggest everyone to prepare for that because if you think this team is beating the Bears on the road, you're delusional. If you think this team is beating the Colts, probably delusional too. Like. <laughs> They're a bad football team. <laughs> yeah. When when it comes to the Bears, do you think uh like watch Fields goes to like three hundred and three touchdowns? It's like, is you think they go up like multiple draft picks to try to get him in in March? Yeah, probably. He's either going to go off yeah. in that game or be terrible. There's no there's no in between. That is Fields. Like it's going to be one of those experience. things. Of, yeah. Like it's gonna and it's gonna be peak Falcons Twitter after that game because if he balls out, it's like yep. You got to make it happen. You got to do it. You got to make the trade. And then if he doesn't do well, then the other side of Falcon Sword is going to be, see, we told y'all he's not this and he's not that. I like, it's yeah. going to be bad. It's a never ending yeah. conundrum. 
Yeah. Yes. And like, to be fair, like Arthur Smith does deserve a pass for the first two years because we know how disastrous this team was. This was the year where he needed to like show what he's made of because they don't have the salary cap issues and you know, they've got an offensive line set up and they've got their star running back and they've got their three stars. I got Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Bijan Robinson and the offense is worse. That's why Mm -hmm. Arthur Smith needs to be fired. Not because of the first two years being lackluster, but because when the pieces were here, and we've gotten to see what this looks like. It looks bad. Like it, it, and it's not like it's not just on Desmond Ritter. Like yes, Desmond Ritter is not executing this offense at a high level. I think we all know that. But mm. like to execute this offense at a high level requires such a good quarterback because the spacing is not there. The passing game concepts are not elite. They're 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 not even average. Like you're really asking a lot of the quarterback to try to make chicken salad out of chicken shit to use, you know, a good analogy. Like this scheme puts so much pressure on the quarterback and the playmakers to get open and does them no favors in creating space for them or, or helping them out. And the NFL, you can't run a scheme like that. That that's loser football in the NFL. You can't do that. You have to help your playmakers. Cause guess what? Everybody's good in the NFL. The, Zion McCollum is out there starting and, and crushing it for the Bucks. Like even depth players are good in the NFL. You can't depend on your guys being better than the opponent unless you got Julio Jones or that type of player out there. Then maybe you can depend on that guy just getting open. But like you have to There's help your players so out. Empty, like let's highlight that when they go empty, like I fear the worst. And oh. some people can say, "Oh, it's because they're so limited at wide receiver." But still, it's just at least scheme through. Because when you're an empty, you're supposed to create mismatches and. More times than not, it's just the play just, just unravels. They should never play empty. empty. Like, that. Yeah. that's, like, obviously you can't never play empty. I'm not actually saying that. But, like, you want to they the should, field, but, like. They, if they don't threaten the run, they are completely yeah. worthless on offense. They have to at least threaten the run or defenses can shut down the pass. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you've got Desmond Ritter running because he's, he's doing better at that now. But, like. I mean, that touchdown run, let's give him his props. That was yes. a tremendous play. Great that, job. Usually goes on reads, it goes unblocked. He actually had to make a play out of structure, and he, he damn sure did. And he held the ball with his left hand. So, you know, yeah. We got, we got point yes, great, great. That's, that's, that's development. That's that's growth right yeah. there. And, yeah. Can I have, like, two things? Yeah. Go for when it. When it comes yeah. to the offense, like, all right, we talked about them being bad empty, but here's the other two things I just can't stay. First of all, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I feel like they're running – less play action in recent weeks. And that's not been good because I feel like Arthur Smith, his success in Tennessee was really built on play action. And when it comes to the screen game, like did they, I can't recall the last time they ran a screen out of the backfield. I feel like every screen is like a tunnel screen to the right or, and it just either features Bijan or John Smith. And other than the John Smith touchdown against the Vikings, like I just feel like they were getting nothing out of screens and they're not utilizing any screens out of the backfield. It just seems always two blockers to the right. Hope for the best. Like, and this all, like, you have Patterson, you have, um, obviously, Bijan, and even Alger did some damage on screens last year. Like, what happened to screens out of the backfield, especially when you have an athletic offensive line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I just... just love the fact that when we go play action the two times, like, two, two of the biggest times in the game, we do it at the goal line yep. when we're yep. backed up. And then we do it to start off the final drive where everyone knows we need a touchdown. So they're not worried about. <laughs> yeah, they don't even action. care about the run game. Yet. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
it's just that's what i'm saying it's like they're just picking plays out of a hat it's like me when i play madden it's like well this one worked before i'm just gonna run this you know oh i like i like this play that that what's my average on this play 6.7 okay I'm, I'm running this yeah and it's like oh i'm not paying attention to the down and distance or the game situation i'm just running it um and it's three years in you know yeah yeah there you go three three years in you can't have the offense looking this bad you can't have these play calling mistakes like first year that that's why like people that i think get on it's like well shanahan you know he struggled initially that that was his first season not three years in like don't even evoke that broke records here i don't want to hear yes. anything bad about like, like, oh, well, Shan- they're trying to say that arthur smith is going to grow like a beautiful butterfly into kyle shanahan oh. if you give him enough time yeah no like kyle shanahan struggled in his first year in atlanta because that that's what happens sometimes guys like it takes time for stuff to acclimate this is year three this is year three there's none of that happening there's no there's no heroic turnaround coming for this offense like maybe maybe you give arthur smith a great quarterback like we get Jaden daniels in here and and it looks great but like Jaden daniels is still gonna have to overcome these same things and maybe he does but like do we really want a scheme that the quarterback has to overcome like is that is that what we want that's not what i want <laughs> they just need someone that could separate too. Like we talked about this a few yes, weeks ago. And still yes. too. Like, like another show I also have empty. Like you have Cordell Paris and John Smith that's two of the pass catchers. And both can be utilized and be, you know, they can be playmakers. They're versatile. But when I'm running five wide, I don't want those two like in a stack formation because it's just they don't have the separation skills. They're just they're playmakers in their own ways, whether it's John Smith on the seam or even you know a play action or Cordell out of the backfield or on screens. Like those two should not be bunched together to potentially create a you know, a successful pass play. Like, that's just one example right there. Like, Arthur Smith, I know he had success in Tennessee with his big body receivers, but I think he needs to evolve because, look, yes. I'm not, not to go down the Calvin Ridley rabbit hole, but one of my biggest frustrations back in, what was it, 2021, is that he was using, like, he was trying to utilize Calvin Ridley like A.J. Brown. Like, yes, everything was that's like, not even close to his game. The field. Like, yeah. like, you watch Calvin Ridley in his skill set. You know, you should know what he's effective at, especially on the outside. So I just think Arthur Smith can be very hard-headed. And yes, we were sold. Just- <laughs> uh, we were sold a lie because what? What did he say when he got here? It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna mold the scheme to our players. You know, we're gonna take advantage of these guys' skill set. And what does he do? He tries to turn Calvin Ridley into a yards after catch player, which has never been his game ever. Uh, and and you know, making him go up and fight contact and like catch screens and like it was terrible. Yeah, no wonder Ridley wanted out of here. Uh, yeah. and, and like. It's not happening. That's that's the opposite of what's happening. He's trying to bend everyone here in Atlanta to his scheme, and his scheme is bad. So, like, it worked great in 2019 and 2020. I'll give him his flowers. Like, that scheme, it worked really well. It was executed, but it hasn't evolved since then. It's the same concepts. It's the same plays. Sure, they've, they've thrown in some wrinkles, like, and, and some of those wrinkles work well, but, like, it's not going well it's it, it hasn't evolved it's it's causing so many problems and this offense as a whole is the most mistake prone offense in the nfl because Oof. there's so many moving parts on a lot of these plays that like one guy trips and it's a loss you know i mean and a lot of nfl players are like that i mean it's like if some some guy screws up royally you're probably gonna have a bad time but it it's bad and it's disappointing because i was one of Arthur Smith's biggest believers. And I, I still think that what we saw in 2019 and 2020 shows that he has the capacity to draw up a good a good scheme. But there's been no growth. There's been no development. It's just been hard-headedness. And 
bringing in and what looks like bringing in a bunch of yes men to surround himself with like Dave Ragone you're trusting this man to to create your passing game and we see the results you know you lose your like one outside guy in Charles London uh who you let leave to go take a, a position somewhere else uh and now you don't have a quarterback coach so great job there TJ Yates is the receiver coach yep I mean I don't know if he's inspiring much it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to quantify those things, but like everyone's messing up. They're sloppy routes. People are running to the wrong place. It's constant mistakes everywhere. And there's nowhere else to point the finger about the coaching staff because I'm sorry. Like if everyone's, if one person's screwing up, then it's like, oh, that guy's got problems. If everyone's screwing up, it's the coaching staff because you're, you're not teaching these guys what they're supposed to do. And like, sure, that's reductive. It's easy for me to say as an outsider, like it's not easy to fix problems in the NFL offense. Like it's a tough thing to do. Um, but we should expect more from a coach in his third year implementing his, his scheme. And like, people are like, oh, well, the Falcons just need this or they need a separator. And then like, I'm not making fun of you, Alan. You're right. They, they do need a separator. Yeah. But yeah, like, yes, they do. They do need that. But like, they have more than enough for this offense to be top 15. Like more than enough. I don't, you don't need 15 pieces to make an NFL offense work. You need a couple of guys. Yes. Like to get this, to get this to like a top 10, top five level, they definitely need that wide receiver two presence because clearly they're not going to use Kyle Pitts like that. So that's off the table. Um, So they do need that separator. Like I would love to get Troy Franklin in here or someone like that, you know, a big, a big separator um, yards after catch player, you know, whatever. But that's not the problem with this offense is they don't have a separator. Like that's, that's like something that might be holding them back from being an elite offense, but it's not what's holding them back from being an average offense. What's holding them back from being an average offense is Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter. And I think Arthur Smith is not helping Desmond Ritter. So I, I think Desmond Ritter looks worse here than he would. And, you know, you put Desmond Ritter in Andy Reid's scheme. Do you think he has as many struggles? I don't think so. You put Desmond Ritter in Kyle Sh- Like Desmond Ritter in Shanahan's offense would, would be like, fine like he probably I've seen nick mullins and cj yes, we've seen nick mullins yes <laughs> so maybe that's a bad you know comparison because kyle shannon can turn any quarterback that, that into a passable comparison. yes but you know it everything looks so hard week in and week out for this offense there's constant mistakes constant problems and i can't just blame players anymore like this is not we've seen this for 14 games or 14 weeks 13 games um and, like, I mean the offensive coaching staff, to be clear, Michael. Like, the defensive coaching staff, they give them the give them the keys because they've turned this around in one season from disastrous, you know, maybe slightly overperforming to be 20th in the league to being a top 10 defense despite this offense just completely screwing them over and over and over again every single week. Like, go look at uh, the Falcons on Pro Football Reference and look at how many turnovers they have every single week. It's offense, cre- like, gives away the ball two, three times. And the defense was still top 10 going into this week. Like, that is so impressive. Like, it, you give the give the ball away that much, this defense was first in red zone percentage and, and second and third down defense. That's the only reason this team is even somewhat competitive. Because... The offense is a disaster, and I'm sorry. We know who to blame for that, and it's not just Desmond Ritter. So, don't don't really know you what else to, to say. <laughs> yeah, we should probably get to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank thank you for keeping me on track here, because I could probably rant about that for an eternity. But thank you guys so much for your donations. By the way, we do appreciate 
Tri- appreciate that. Thanks for everyone for hanging out. All right, we got Ray Moon with a pair here to open us up. Thank you very much, Ray. He says, Ritter, I think Ritter played hard, not great, not bad. I mean, I'd agree. Like, he did have some nice throws. He also threw some picks and didn't get rid of the ball. And, and I would say, you know, this was a middling game for Ritter, which is sad when he throws for 347 yards and a touchdown that it's still just a middling game because of all the mistakes. But, you know, overall, I would say it was probably one of his better games in a very sad way. Um, we got another one from Ray. He says, Richie Grant on some BS. Yeah, I I think we've seen enough to know that we can't depend on Richie Grant in tight end man coverage. It's just, we can't. Like, that's literally why Trey Flowers is here. So, and, and I, I think Trey Flowers is a better tackler than Grant too. Like, can he cover as much space on the back end? No. But if we're playing man coverage against tight ends, Trey Flowers should be in the game. I'm sorry. We've seen enough. I've seen enough. Throw the towel. <laughs> Throw the towel on Richie Grant. Um, we got George Costanza with the $2. What's up, George? He says, the Jets just put up 30 on the Texans. The Bears just clobbered the Lions. So obviously unpredictability and chaos can happen on any Sunday, but we can always be rest assured that UCF R- legend Richie Grant will find a way to screw it up. At least we have that going. Man, Richie Grant catching catching it all today. So. Oh, but speaking of UCF, uh, Mike Hughes made a really nice open field tackle. Yeah, and even Mike Hughes give- made a play today. <laughs> I want to give credit to the defense because tackling – since no, I would say over the past month has been uh, problematic to say at least. They were tackling it today. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whether it was Clark Phillips, Caden Ellis, Mike Hughes, like there's that's one thing you can say about this defense. There's a lot of positive you can say about the defense, but I was been much used- better since the losing streak. Yeah, yeah. So a big and because to me Nate Lambert's their most dependable open field tackler, and to have that performance without him really says a lot. And I didn't think Andre Smith was that much a liability. I was concerned about him, but. Thought he, he was decent, held his own. Yeah, Hughes was was definitely not the problem today. So that was a definitely mm-hmm. a big step up from where he's been. Um, good of good of him for that. Um, we got Noah C with the five dollars. What's up, Noah? <laughs> he's just watching Arthur Smith play call man. It makes me want want to push somebody over at Walmart. Anyway, happy Sunday. <laughs> yeah, that's it's tough. Why it's tough. Yeah, why Walmart? Walmart catching strays today. Uh, <laughs> We got Ray Moon with the two. He says, I blame Arthur Smith for not running the ball and also coup WTF. Yeah, I mean, yes. They needed to run the ball. It's yeah. again with coup, it's like it's like I feel about the defense. Like they give up a, they give up a lot of points for game. It's like you get a pass because you've been carrying this team so much. And same thing with coup. Like he's not gonna be perfect every single game. Teams that they want for this franchise, man. Yeah. Like yeah. Ah. Coup is beyond reproach at this point. So, you know, he blows a couple more games, then we could have a conversation. But I'm not blaming Coup for this when the offense punted like, what, five or six times in a row. So that mm-hmm. that's not on Coup. Um, Shaquavia Scott with the five. Thank you. He says, lost a, but, a good bit of our defensive line depth. Wonder what that Jordan Watkins guy is up to these days. You ready to ready to strap, strap it up and uh, get out there, Jordan? Because I think we might need you next week. Those who can do, those who can just show up on Falcoholic Live. <laughs> but this guy has a podcast obligation, just priorities. <laughs> yep. If the Falcons call, you know what to say. You have to say no because we need you here on Trench Talk bright and early. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, Steve yeah. Jonathan Babineau could, could come out of retirement. There's a lot of Falcon players that could, could have came out of retirement today. They had the 1998 team there. Like, we might need a couple of those guys to suit up. Yeah, yeah, no. What's, I mean, what's John? What's John Abraham up to nowadays? I mean, at this point, I, I'll take it. But yo, to be fair to those guys, like they, 
I thought that the depth guys really did step up and, and oh, play yeah. a decent game. And we lost Contavious Street as well. And, and those guys had to step up. And I think they, they did a hell of a job. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm not, I, again, it's like, I'm, I'm going to give the defense a pass because those guys played their asses off and got screwed over by the offense once again. And like, oh yeah, well, you know, they gave up, they gave up the game losing scores. So it's the defense's fault. Sure, if you just think the first four and a half quarters don't matter, then yeah, it was the defense's fault. Great, great analysis there. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should highlight a few of them. Uh, oh, yeah, for I, sure. Yeah. Of course, we got to watch all 22 to see what the coverage is like. But look, this is the first time in how many years, I don't know how many years, that Mike Evans was pretty much a total non-factor. And A.J. Terrell had some great moments. Yes. I'm going to assume A.J. Terrell had a fantastic game. Of course, we're going to have to watch all 22 to confirm that. But you know, big ups to Terrell. And like I mentioned earlier, Caden Ellis seemed like, Everywhere he was on the field, like the fourth down stop. I, I know Jesse Bates had the tackle, but Kate Nelson's penetration is the one who caused that. Great in coverage as well, uh, whether it was against Kate Otten or Rashad White. Like, I just think for the last five games, Kate Nelson's really turned it up. And look, man, uh, Terry Fodd now, I know the draft classes are looking a bit sh- shaky, but he just he had a hit a home run on this free agency class. All of them are contributing and big ups to you know what he's put together here. Yeah, this draft class, you know, you mentioned it, like, this draft class is really looking promising. Matthew Bergeron had some absolutely key blocks today uh, on those on that big Bijan run and the he's Bijan on, touchdown. He's taking some serious he's, strides as well. He's definitely taking those strides, so that looks like a really nice second rounder. And then Clark Phillips. I Jordan, I know you got to get to your boy Clark Phillips. I'm going to let you you go off on Clark Phillips, but we, we got something here. Clark Phillips playing outside, looking great. Wow, what a shock. What a complete shock, Jordan. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where he's one of those guys where if he was any more quote-unquote athletic, he's not in the fourth round. And again, as, as I know Kevin and I, we've talked about this all the time, turn on his tape at Utah from whatever game you want, whether you want to see a familiar face, Drake London against uh, USC in the Pac-12 championship a few years back. But the dude just knows how to play. It's like, you remember when we had this little cornerback wearing number 20 out of Shippensburg College, and everyone's like, well, he's only like 5'8", or, or somewhere around that, and maybe that's on a good day. But the dude just knew how to play football, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, if he was any bigger or faster, or however you want to look at it, he doesn't go on draft or super late in, late in, a, in the draft. And Clark Phillips is that same kind of guy. Uh, yeah. So it's just good to see for him. And, you know, you always hate to see someone have to play because of injuries, but I do know he knows that he's going to be on the field, right? So he's playing loose right now, um, and it's just awesome to see because, I mean, again, we talked about this back in draft coverage when we first drafted Mm -hmm. him. I knew that was going to be a home run. Yeah, yeah. And we were just sort of biding our time. I mean, I think I said – I think that's what I literally said on a a preseason show or after the draft where it was like, Clark Phillips isn't going to start, I don't think. But I think by like week 12-ish, you know, week 14, whatever, he's going to be on the field uh, and we're going to be happy with that pick. And, you know, whether that's him earning a spot or having to play for injury, because the corner is going to get hurt. If there's one thing you can depend on in the NFL, it's that quarterbacks are going to get hurt. That's why you got to carry six, because it's a it's a physical position. Those guys get banged up. It happens. You got to have guys. Um, and the Falcons, to their credit, do. And, like, this could be really big because – Jeff Akuda has played well overall. He's had some struggles the last couple of weeks, but he and Terrell are both up for, for contracts. And, you know, do the Falcons really want to give two giant quarterback contracts out? I don't know. Maybe they do. But Clark Phillips playing great outside, that gives them a lot of leeway to be like, you know, maybe 
maybe we don't have to give out two big cornerback contracts because we can depend on Clark Phillips and then we can draft somebody else and keep developing these guys because they're, th- this is the offseason. They do still have money, but they're going to have to start being strategic about who they sign and who they don't. Um, and we know they want to probably go out and spend big on defensive line reinforcements and they, maybe they want to get a wide receiver too. You know, who knows? So not having to dedicate however much to, to Akuda. I mean, it's probably going to be six plus million, I would think. Maybe more, depending on how he finishes the season. Clark Phillips being good gives you a lot of flexibility there. And um, I'm just, this this is the draft class that I think it's like, sometimes it takes guys a few years, you know, GMs that are getting their feet wet. We always knew Fontenot, his background was in pro personnel. So maybe it was going to take some time or maybe he was, he's been nailing the free agency. So like there, there's not any, I don't really have any complaints about that. The draft classes we know have been a little bit hit or miss, but this year we got Bijan, we got Matthew Bergeron and we got Clark Phillips so far that looked like, and DeMarco Hellams too as a seventh rounder playing, you know, that that's yeah. huge. So, so I think this might be where we're starting to see Fontenot really turn the corner in the draft and then start to get more comfortable with how, how to find guys. And it, it's also on the coaching staff to communicate what they need. So, it, you know, when you have a, a switch up in the scheme on defense, that, that hurts the draft class because it's like, well, we drafted two guys for Dean P's three, four, that are outside linebackers and you know now they're now we're playing more of a four three so what do we do here and you know to Fontenot's credit and, and to the coaching staff's credit they, I think they found a role for Arnold Ebicady um you know D'Angelo Malone maybe less so we'll see if he has like a Caden Ellis type trajectory or maybe he can transition to more of an off-ball role or more of a hybrid sort of thing but you know I I think we're seeing positive returns on this class and that's a big deal um, whether or not the, the coaching staff changes on offense or not, I think you got to try to keep this defensive staff around um, because these guys, you know, these guys are crushing it. Um, I'm so impressed with the job. They're like the anti-Arthur Smith. They've got all these new pieces. Everything has to come together really quickly. We, we have low expectations and they're just crushing it. And then Arthur Smith is like, okay, we're on year three. We got all these pieces. Okay, it's time for this to come together. And it's not. So it's, you know, it's rough. I just love but, the fact that how organized the secondary was. And that's what we saw for the, first two months of the season, like the Bucks, I don't know what the end result was in terms of third down, but at one point they were two of nine on third downs. Uh, it just showed you like the defense just seemed like in coverage. They just forced Baker Mayfield to make tight window throws and you know, Baker Mayfield struggles to make open throws. So if you're going to force Baker Mayfield to throw, uh, you know, tight window throws, it's going to benefit you. And it was Terrell, the offer. Just, it just seemed like the whole secondary was locked in until, you know, that final drive, unfortunately, but, that's just you just love to see that and it just shows you like Ryan Nielsen has these guys playing, whether it's man zone, mixing up between quarters and cover two. Like it's just it's very encouraging to see because like we've seen the last five years how much of a disaster this defense has looked with coverage breakdowns and just not making tackles. It's just I think that's like one of the biggest things. It's just fundamental play. That's what ultimately I think Ryan Nielsen has done, along with absolutely great run defense when fully healthy. And just having a linebacker duel that actually likes taking on blocks and it's not going to be finesse. Like, these guys are just football players. They love physicality. And it just I feel like the Falcons' defense has been lacking that over the past three, four years. So I think that's, like, some of the most refreshing things about this defense. And, you know, I already mentioned Kate Ellis, but I just – just, I just miss watching linebackers, like, yeah. playing physical. It's just I feel like these past so many years – I know Rashawn Evans was a kind of a nice presence, but he was limited. Like, besides that – yeah, like it just—it's it, been lacking that department. So, it has. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I think that's so frustrating when you look at both sides of the ball for this team, right, Alan? I think you just nailed it. 
in terms of you look at the little things, right? The basics. I can look at this defense, for example, the fourth down stop that they made. And I know we highlighted on trench talk earlier in the year, the fourth down stop they made against Carolina. And I said, Hey, if you, if you, if you just took a picture right from the end zone angle where everybody is, who's doing what it's textbook fourth and one, fourth and two type defense, right? Everybody's in their gaps. Everyone's doing their job, just playing responsible football right now. Now, if you go on to the other side, and to the offense, there's just certain things, right? How many times do we, we have we talked about route concepts? Why is this person here? And then this person's also like two, two steps away. Why is it that, you know, you have a quarterback that's not seeing this route here or that route there? Why does it seem like there's this guy that's slowing down on a clear out route, but the quarterback's still throwing it to him like he's in the progression, right? It's just, again, this is certain little things here or there so many times, right? And, and the fact that you have a unit, and again, I get it. They gave up the points today. But for the most part of this year, you've had a unit where a lot of those fundamentals and the basics, they've been so precise in contrast to what you have on the other side of the ball. That's what makes it even more frustrating, right? It's not just bad and bad. It's actually pretty, pretty damn good and then pretty inconsistent. Right. Yeah, well it is. It is. Well, very well said indeed. And yeah, I know someone asked about giving Drake. Yeah, we got a, a donation for Patrick. He says, uh, at this point, just give Drake London a jump ball every single snap. He can out jump ninety nine percent of defenders. And yeah, like I'm telling you, I mean, why not? But that's what I'm you, saying you too. Like he's a threat too. Yes, like, just give him the ball. That's what I'm Thank saying. You. What? Why is this like one of the only games this season where he's gotten ten targets? Like you don't have any other receivers. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I, this is what I'm saying. Like you have guys that you refuse to feature. You're like, we got to spread it out. We got to throw screens to Jonu Smith. And like, no offense to Jonu Smith, but like, what in the hell? Like, what it, in the hell? It's been the past few weeks. Like, let, let's call obviously, like, John, the Jonu Smith design plays have not been effective for, it, I would say, since the losing streak started. You go out and spend premium resources to get Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson, and that you're just, like, drawing up plays for everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. how about you just throw to Drake London a ton? Like, especially if he's cooking. Like do, why do you have to give Arthur Smith credit for this? The execution unfortunately didn't happen, but that red zone they dialed up. What was it? It was like a sweep to Bijan where he was motion wide open, and then yep. and then, mm-hmm. then the Ritter just couldn't get him the ball on that third down where I think yes. they're running like a rubber concept. So hey, it's taken what thirteen games, but they are heavily featuring Bijan the red zone. Yes, so. and that's another yeah. criticism I have is yeah, it's why taken this long. Why did you have to be bullied into featuring Bijan Robinson? Like we're saving him for the playoffs. Well, you ain't going to make the playoffs, Arthur Smith. So you better. So let's see how that works out for you in the end. But did you guys think he he was indecisive on that sweep? I thought he maybe could have gotten Denzel, but it's hard to see. We know when he was waiting for he was he was waiting for Jake to set up the block. But yeah, that's one of those where it's like, like, dude, you are two thirty. Go go run through someone's face. Okay, yeah, so you put go, them more than anyone else. Right? I, got, I mean, yeah, like I understand. Like, I can't put that on Jake Matthews. It's Jake Matthews is running as fast as hard as he can, right? So that's just I one of those. Of, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where, you know, I was also hoping that Jake would take the inside guy. And right. that way there was going to be room for Bijan to have one-on-one with, I think it was a corner instead of the linebacker. But, again, that's just one where, like I said, just go, just go ahead and just try to run through him. Yeah, I think so too. But, you know, I – I, he probably went where the play was designed. And again, at, for a rookie running yeah. back, I'm not expecting him to go against the play design frequently. You know, it's just one of those things. But um, yeah, we got 
let's continue getting through these. And by the way, guys, if you're interested in supporting the show, please do like subscribe. That helps us out a lot. But also we got channel memberships now. Shout out to Crimson Huntsman in the chat uh, for joining up there. If you want to support the show, get some exclusive perks, get some cool emojis, you know, get your chat flair, get all that cool stuff. Plus early access to our uh, recorded episodes like the Trench Talk, like the game preview shows. And we'll have more of those obviously coming uh, in the off season too. Uh, definitely check that out. We got It's very similar to the Patreon. If you're a podcast enjoyer, check out the Patreon uh, for the early access to the podcast episodes and similar things there. Really appreciate everyone who's signed up to help us out and support the show there. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we got Ian McCluskey now at the $5. Thank you so much, Ian. He says, two questions. What do you guys think it will take to get in Jaden Daniels? And do you think Clark Phillips makes Akuda expendable now? Yeah, I think we kind of talked about the Akuda one already. That, yes, he could, potentially. We'll see how this develops over the rest of the season. But Jane Daniels, uh, if they're in the top 10, I think it wouldn't take a lot. Like, if the Bears keep winning, I think the Bears are a very likely trade partner. Um, you know, they're going to be wanting to stockpile assets. We've seen that they want to do this. So if the Falcons are picking, like, 9 or 10, they could probably send a day two pick to the Bears to get up to, like, 6 or so. That, that might be enough to get Jaden Daniels. You know, we'll see. But his hype is just, like, a couple of weeks ago when I was like, yeah, guys, he's going to be a first-round pick. Everyone's saying, like, he's why aren't you taking him in the second round or the third round in your mock? I was like, yeah, he's going to be a first-round pick. Guys, he might be a top-10 pick at this point. Like, exactly. I took him in my mock at pick nine, and people said I was crazy. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm right about where he's going to be drafted, at least. You know, my quarterback record in terms of uh, takes is, is less less stellar. But... You know, they're probably going to have to to get up into the top seven or so to make sure they get him if they do want him. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to sitting at nine and seeing if you can get like a Michael Penix too. But again, that's all about the medicals. Um, So, but in terms of his on the field, like I don't have any complaints. You know, I mean, he's one of the most accurate passers in college football and he could probably make the scheme look good because he's just incredibly accurate and makes really good decisions very experienced quarterback so maybe he could elevate this scheme but <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> as long as we need teams out there we know Look, yeah and like i said I'm, I'm gonna keep saying it i'm not saying all this to, to say that i'm just this big big proponent that you know this this far into the season ritter's gonna have this big change and transformation of like nope he's a guy it's it's not all his fault it's it's it, that's that's not what i'm that's not what i'm trying to do it's just again i even if you want to give me a percentage, right, in terms of what's wrong with this offense, in terms of that, again, talking about the split between play calling and scheme versus quarterback, I'm it's at at minimum for me 60-40 or 65-35 in terms of play calling and, and scheme-wise versus quarterback play. And, yes, I am aware of how many misses and how many turnovers Desmond Ritter has, and I still believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. We got Adrian Russ with the $2.00 saying we're still in control of the season but arthur smith has to go he really dialed up a play action pass in our own end zone and kept drawing up screens to john U. smith who had an unusually off game can we just have the defense play both sides of the ball yeah that would be nice we just have the defense <laughs> play every and then if they keep them from scoring they get a point but yeah no unfortunately that's not how it works but yeah i mean they're not in control of the season anymore by the way uh if the bucks went out the falcons don't make the playoffs so you know they, they blew that today if they won this game, they would have had like a 90% chance to make the playoffs. Now it's less than 50. So, um, yeah. it's, this was a costly loss. Like I know the saints got to play the Rams, which will likely be a loss. Uh, and, and the bucks have to play the Packers, but I just, 
I don't know, like, can the Falcons go two and two in, in these last four games? Like, I think they can go two and two, two but like, <laughs> is that going to be enough? Even I don't know. <laughs> is that two going to involve the Saints? Yeah, right. If it does, yeah. that if they have to go to New Orleans and win, that that Saints team is different at home. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, but again, it's like another must-win situation. Like they they basically can afford like. I mean, if they want to actually have a realistic chance of making the playoffs, they probably can afford one more loss. And it would have been nice to be able to have two more losses and not blow this game. But, you know, basically every game is a must-win now if they are serious about making the playoffs. But I, I just don't think they can do it, personally. Yeah. Everything could change within one week. We, we've seen how wild this season has been. So, you know, sure. let's, let's let's not be all doom and gloom. And, no. Like, this team, you have to think they're going to get healthy. Like, if they get Dalman back, they get McGarry on Yamada, like, they're going to have to win games. Like, there's no denying that. It's just, you, you want to see better quality. Like, that's, I think that was just yeah. the most disappointing. Like, this game was there to be had. And just, just stop with the turnovers. I hate to have to reiterate this, but it just, can we have like two games where it's clean? Like, no, they can't play a clean game. They've no. never done it. They never will. I'm convinced. This team is ugly. Uh, they are like, sloppy and poorly disciplined and bad. Like, they will never play a clean game this year. You can take it to the bank. They're I would bet I would bet on them having a turnover every single game. Like whatever odds you get on that, it's automatic money. So take it. I think the Panthers and Colts have two of the worst run defense in the league. Like next week, please, over 150 yards minimum. Mm-hmm. So we're throwing the ball 30 times next week is what you're telling me. We got to air it out. We got to. Yeah. We got Guy Fieri, a.k.a. Solaire with the two. Says, oh, fools, God, you had hope. Playoffs? We are back to the darkness where we belong. The draft takes Playoffs. must begin again. It must oh, be our no, main focus. Yet, we must feed on those delicious spicy takes. Future head coach takes also should be added as the appetizer. We'll see about that guy. If they lose to the Panthers, then hell yeah. It's draft oh, season, okay. baby. It's draft party. season, baby. Yeah. All right. We got George with the $2. He says, hey, at least we can be happy passing on Brian Branch for Bergeron. I don't know. I'm pretty happy with Bergeron. I do love Brian Branch, but, but I don't think Brian, I think I thought Brian Branch was off the board before they took Bergeron. That's a good question. And these people are trying to make us do I'm research. Sure. We're trying I, to do a lot. Yeah, right yeah. Now. But either way, I I think they needed Bergeron, so I'm not upset with Agreed. the Bergeron pick. But I do agree that Richie Richie Grant is, you know, not it at the second safety spot. So yeah. He says, I know we're on Jaden Daniel. Yeah. Press is starting to look really disturbingly bad. Yeah. Jalen Mayfield. Uh who else was in that? I'll see Richie, Richie Grant, Grant was there. Uh, you know, we got Ade Ogandeji um, who's hurt. Yeah, Darren Hall's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Kyle uh, Pitts. Can yeah. you let the listeners know what were your thoughts when Kyle Pitts actually scored a down? At least they threw. At least they threw a threw a deep touchdown to him. So I guess I guess that's like his best game of the year now because of that. So, and a uh, Houston game. Let's give him props. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Kyle Pitts got into the end zone, like what, what was it? Like Kevin, you've been going off for weeks about this. Like. Was it just pure euphoria in your room? <laughs> I was just like, wow, I, I can't believe they actually threw it to him. I thought that I thought that was going deeper and was going to be picked off, but no. Um that I mean it's nice play it design. Smith. Right. I thought I I couldn't believe it. I thought I saw eighty one flash there for a second. But... I was about to say I thought I saw an eighty one or eighty five, not just a yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it was a nice play, nice design. Obviously the Bucks fell for that that route combo and, and I mean, but that's why you run that route combo, because sometimes the safety makes a mistake and takes the upper route, and then your guy's wide open. And if he doesn't, that deep route might be open. So, you know, I, I like that play for Kyle Pitts. He could use that big frame. He had plenty of space and got in the end zone. So, yeah, why, why, I don't know why we don't see that play more often, personally. But that that's my big variables. question. 
A lot of variables, lot of variables. that go into that. Yeah, a lot of variables. There. But uh, we got Corey Carter with the two. Uh, saying, ever notice how we always like to run plays to the short side of the field? I'm tired of watching our guys run out of room on those tosses. Also, why do we love to spread the defense out with an empty backfield on third, fourth, and short? Yeah, it's kind of odd that we spread them out and then don't run the ball, right? It's like, oh, we're going to spread you out just so we can throw into your teeth. Uh, you know, I I would never go empty with this offense, honestly. Like, first of all, they make mistakes frequently with the pass pro, so having a running back back there to block is probably a necessity a lot of the time. But, like, if you have third and short, you should threaten the run with this offense because, like, teams will, will think you're going to run it because they they very well could. Like, even on third and four, like, the Falcons are probably justified to consider running the football um, just because of how good this running game can be. So, yes, I, I think they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot when they refuse to put a running back back there on third and short because, I mean, on any short plays, like, the, this Falcons offense kind of needs a running back to, to threaten something like to threaten either a dump off pass or threaten a run to keep the de- to keep those linebackers occupied for at least a second. Um, and they just seem to refuse to do that. Like they just don't see. Here's, here's a question for y'all. And I'm not talking about like a read option type play. Have we ever seen a, like a true quarterback design run this year? That wasn't like a QB sneak. Cause the reason why I asked that is like, to your point, Kevin, one thing I think you could do, and it depends on what the the formation, the what the defense looks like, right? Like how light or heavy the box is. If you go empty, like you can still have a, a QB power in there, or you know, like a counter or something like that. Where now all you got to do is, hey, everyone spread out. Let's say maybe you have a four man box, five man box. You know, it's hat for a hat. Boom, there's your first down, right? But again, that's what, and I know we've been saying this for so long, and I know I'm not saying that. I know Ritter can run. He's not like a runner, but I think he's athletic enough and big enough to where if he has to just pick up a three, four yard play on a design run, he could do it. But again, yeah. it's just, I, I just don't understand why we don't see more things like that. Like that's not very, that's not complex or complicated. No, no, it's, it's just really frustrating watching this offense. We all, there's so many goddamn problems. <laughs> there's too many to list. There's just too many to list. Oh man. Um, We got George Sanza with the $2 says deep ball first down second and 10 run then third and long screen or deep in completion <laughs> 80 83 percent certain that arthur smith is just dirt cutter and a mustache at least dirt cutters passing concepts worked i'll give him that i'll give him that uh his passing concepts were night time. and day he, i mean night and day better Wolf, than this Wolf so. them can't run screens yeah for a reason like yeah like, can they just watch andy reed film or even sean payton film like those two i think are the masterminds when it comes to screen can you just watch them please Nah, nah, we can't. No, absolutely not. Can't do it. Uh, can't do it. No. You see everyone watching Miami's offense right now picking up tendencies, even the Pittsburgh's. Yep. I know Pittsburgh's Falcons don't. Faster, but... Yeah. <laughs> the Falcons like, don't. Watch Sean McVay and what they're doing with LA. Sure would be nice to have an offensive innovator, but uh, we don't have that, unfortunately. Um, they've literally switched up their their offense midseason in LA, too. It's insane. Like, all of a sudden, they found out, this Kyron Williams guy can run the football. Maybe this guy's actually good. Yeah. It's almost like running a 4-8 doesn't matter for a running back, and it's just like not that big a deal. It's crazy, crazy talk there. But it's almost like the 40 doesn't matter for running backs. Um, but yeah, we got, got a couple more to get to here, guys. We got Corey Carter, the two. He says, this is what it feels like when you support a losing to mediocre football franchise. I appreciate all of you who do it anyways. All we have is reason and hope. See you later this week. Yeah, Corey, we're, we're trying, you know. 
I've Lord forgive me, but it's time to go back to the old me. You know, I'm, it's time for me to go all in on criticizing this this staff because I think they deserve it after games like this, man. This is a very winnable game against a team that's really not that great. Uh, and then once again, your offense just pisses it away. You know, it's frustrating. Um, got Corey Carter with the two dollars. Says the toughest offense our defense faces every week is the Falcons' offense. <laughs> I like that. It's very true. I like that one. Uh, I always say Van Jefferson has made more plays for the opponent than yeah. yeah. That's that's my running joke. No, I think you're absolutely right. We got George Costanza with one final one for two dollars. He says, "I've said it before. I'll say it again. Our next coach will unlock Kyle Pitts because if Arthur Smith isn't fired, we wasted the fourth overall pick, and there's zero chance Pitts will stay. Otherwise, I won't blame him for sitting out if all Arthur Smith asked him to do is block. Yeah, I mean, we know Kyle Pitts isn't a great blocker, so I just." I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be someone who can block a defensive end. You know, let's be honest. So, um, I just uh, I can't believe that's what the the game plan is for Kyle Smith or for Kyle Kyle Pitts is to can't wait for Shannon Sharp to call Kyle Pitts on first take that Monday morning. Asking there if you he, go, if he's staying there you or go. not. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are you staying? Is Kyle Pitts yeah. on a level he could be on first take. <laughs> that, not thanks to Arthur Smith. No, maybe that was strategic. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, guys. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, I know Ian McCluskey just asked a super chat to $5. He says, I think Ryan Nielsen has a real chance at a head coach gig this offseason. Maybe Atlantis. <laughs> but otherwise, he might I don't get interviewer so. too. He might get interviews. There's but lot, Yeah, there's a lot of coaches. Like I think in terms of obviously Mike McDonald's, he's doing his thing. But I think Raheem Morris could slowly become a hot candidate again. And look, we know Dan Quinn will get his three interviews. I don't know if they, I think Dan Quinn's just loving life in Dallas. So who knows? Yeah, 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 who knows? But George Costanza with the, with the late one says, I think the disappointment is your fault, Kevin. Ever since you did away with the hashtag tank shots, we've had hope, and hope is a dangerous and painful way to live. Bring back tank shots and pickle juice slushies. Yeah, I think technically tank shots are like against the YouTube terms of service. So that's kind of why I stopped doing them, and also because of my liver. But uh, <laughs> I would have had to increase the tank shots price to like 20 or $30 at this point because there's so many people that donate, which is great. But uh, yeah, my liver was was pain was in a lot of pain um, some of those days. But yeah, I mean, if this team gets bad enough, you know, the YouTube terms of service might we just have to might have to to abandon all hope. But uh, yeah, th- thank you for your willingness to donate for tank shots. But uh, yeah, I think technically I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, you know, may- maybe we'll look into the rules in the off season. We'll see if you know we we can squeeze something out. But yeah, guys, appreciate everyone for hanging out with us today. This was obviously a tough one. We're, we're right back to where we started. Uh, Falcons are, once again, hoping on other teams to lose, to have a shot at the playoffs. And honestly, it's probably for the best if they don't make it because they need a quarterback. So they're picking in the top 10. Much easier to get that quarterback as opposed to picking 19th, 20th, whatever it ends up being. So um, there's a silver lining if they don't make it, which is that they have a much better chance of getting that guy in the draft versus having to sort of trade the farm a la the Panthers to get up for somebody. But, um, you know, if you're hoping for like uh, Drake May or Caleb Williams, don't because it's not going to happen. But Jaden Daniels very much still a, a possibility. Uh, and because the Falcons' strength of schedule is so awful, they will lose. They will win tiebreakers against pretty much anyone. So you know if they happen to lose out, there's an out. There's not. There's an unzero chance they are in contention for like a top five-ish pick. So we'll see how that shakes out. But um, I mean, right now, like you know, the the Giants and the Titans and Chicago, and the Jets all have five wins. Uh, so, like, you know, if a couple of those, you know, Chicago seems like they might start winning. 
Uh, and the Jets just put up 30 on the Texans. So, you know, maybe some of those teams start winning. The, I think the I think the highest the Falcons can realistically get it, realistically get is probably like seven. But you know, we'll see. You know, there's there's never there's never any uh you know you can never rule anything out with this Falcons team, right? Especially when it comes to losing. So, uh, we'll see. But guys, thanks so much for joining us. Um, let me get to our prize picks real quick here, which unfortunately we we did uh blow this one. Uh. That, you know, because the Falcons shut down Mike Evans, which was very unusual. Uh, so they shut down Mike Evans, but lost. It's not something I thought would happen. Um, we did, of course, crush the Bijan more than 18 and a half receiving yards. I believe he had like 55. So good for him. And Young Wei Koo with his two misses also lost the more than one and a half field goals made. He had three attempts, just one made. Uh, I also blame the Falcons offense for that because they punted six times. So probably should have had more opportunities, but you know, it is what it is. We weren't even close on this one. Uh, so we, we try again next week. That's why it's, it's just tragic having to do prize picks on this Falcons team. I would much rather, uh, go after a more reliable team, but you know, that's just how we have to do this. But guys bringing you, uh, once again, a show thanking prize picks for sponsoring today's episode. And just want to remind you guys, prize picks is a daily fantasy game where you pick two to six players, decide they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. The more guys you pick, the more you can win all the way up to 25 times your money on any entry. Prize picks, you're competing against the projections, not against other people. Check out their generous promotions on Tuesday and Friday where they have some some reduced you know number of plays and things like that. It's not just the NFL too. You can do it all year long. NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, all that stuff. They have it all and more. You can make those entries in 60 seconds or less with fast withdrawals. It's super easy. Also, guys, if you're thinking about signing up, all first-time users that deposit and use our promo code DBB will receive a 100% deposit match up to $100. That means if you throw in 100, price picks will match and give you another 100. If you throw in 50, price packs will price picks will match and give you 50 just remember to use that promo code dbb so price picks knows who sent you it helps us out notably price picks available in georgia guys 31 states washington dc and most of canada so uh best way to have action in the game in those states for the most part so check it out guys thank you so much again to price picks for sponsoring today's episode before we sign off i want to thank my co-host today first of all jordan Watkins at big 75 fellow jordan thank you for sticking this one out uh anything else you'd like to plug let the people know about before we sign off Oh, man. I mean, we talked about the Falcon Fate podcast in, in recent yes. weeks. So that's going to be guys. a fun one that'll come out for the recap show tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, it's, <laughs> this team, man, I'm sitting here. Obviously, I know we're all frustrated with this game. Everybody is. And I'm still saying there's still that crazy chance. Like, it, it, like can we just for once just be all the way very bad or just all the way very good and not not have this this gray area? um but no that's just what it is i mean look, we're going against a bad team again next week you had a chance to be what three and one in the division which four and again, one four and one that's right yeah four and one four and one which at that at that point like i said you know anything still is on the table for with this team so yeah yeah it's you know there's a lot of things that can happen still this season but with this much this much of a sample size under our belt i think we know what this team is and it's it's a mess that's going to Every single game is going to be ugly and come down to the wire. And when you play like that, you're lucky to be 500. And that's what this team, that's exactly what this team is right now. So shout out to Ryan Nielsen and the defense for, for keeping us in it. But man, those guys. Shout shout out to everybody uh, too, before I forget. Shout out to everybody at the line of scrimmage. Like I said, both ways. If you had to step in, whether it was earlier in the week, you knew you were going to play 
you had to take some snaps that you didn't know how much you were going to play during this game, both offensive and defensive line. Like just again, from the effort standpoint, yeah, the tape might not look the greatest every single time, but the effort definitely was there. So shout out to both sides of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I feel like for you guys, guys, this is going to be the most fun trench talk of the, because there's so many different <laughs> new players that you guys the trenches like, oh, wow, did well. Yeah. well. Yeah. Like, you got to talk about like four new guys that you didn't picture that you were going to talk about this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to the trench guys. Like Ryan Newsel first start did a great job. That's tough to do. Obviously coming in, keeping the line together. And then so many moving parts came in. Luckily Chris Lindstrom came back into the game, but Jake Matthews went out, had to be replaced by Tyler Rabel. Uh, we already had Storm Norton in there who was doing a great job uh, at, at right tackle. Um, you know, it's... Who was know, Bell? Shout out. Does anyone know who Bell was? Travis Bell. Yeah, he's a Travis nose tackle. Okay. Yeah, he was one of their deep reserve guys. My man Joe Gaziano can't get on the field. Like, what is happening? Joe Gaziano is, is a solid player. I can't believe this man's not active. Like, was why he is he here? Yes, he's been a healthy scratch every week. Every week, and like we're like I don't understand. Like, what does this man have to do to get on the field? Like, give Gaz a chance. Give Gaz a chance. Give that's a new model on this podcast. Yeah, give Gaz a chance, man. That that man is good at football. Like, I don't know what this dude has. I'm I'm assuming he's like an edge. They're considering him edge depth, but like he's like Campbell. He's like a big edge rusher that can kick inside. Like at this point, like let this man play inside. Like we need some, we need some juice. We need some juice. Ryan Nielsen prototype. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Ryan Nielsen, I trust, you know, more than pretty much anyone else on this team. So I believe there's probably some reason for that. But um, my guess is that, you know, they can't really trust Gaz on the inside, um, you know, maybe against the run. So maybe that's it. But yeah, it would be nice uh, if they could get it done and uh, get, get my man Gaz some snaps. But uh, yeah. Also, thanks, of course, to Alan Sturk. He's at Alan Sturk. Alan, anything else you'd like to let the people know about? I'm going to put together a roundtable this week. I always feel like I put together a roundtable after a season-altering loss, which this could be very well a season-altering loss you know, if you really want the Falcons to win the division. So, yeah, I'll be working on a roundtable and doing my GIF review, you know, back at it, you know, the usual stuff after last week, covering a very eventful Falcons-Shets game at MetLife. You know, I do, I do miss that press box for you, but nevertheless, great to be back with you boys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you again for that and guys we'll be back of course for trench talk early next week and we'll have another falcon Hawk live coming to you on wednesday as we get into the holiday season here uh which you know falcons are obviously going to ruin our our new year's uh, at minimum so <laughs> we'll see man Kev, you are dark right now <laughs> i'm in the darkness this was the game they had to win man and they blew it so that to me it's it's now they got to earn it back they got to earn the trust back you know I'm, I'm sorry i wasn't impressed by that win over the jets you know i'm just not going to give anyone flowers for that so uh yeah guys thank you so much and obviously i hope that these guys can turn it around i i personally like arthur smith i think he's been quite nice when you actually talk to him and um i want these guys to figure it out i just i'm running at, i don't have any more excuses you know this team should be much better than it is and i don't really know that there's anywhere else to point the finger that's kind of where i am unfortunately so um Still hoping they can pull it out. Obviously, I don't want anyone to be fired. I, I want these guys to make it work. I, I want this to work. I want these guys to to show it because I I was one of Arthur Smith's biggest stands, you know, early on. I wanted him to come here. He was my top choice. So um, I would like that to, to work out. So I hope that it can. But yeah, uh, right now we're in, we're in a dark place. And, and right now it seems very unlikely that that's going to happen. But can't rule it out completely, right? So we'll, we'll hope. We'll hope for a miracle finish to this season and, and hope that Arthur Smith can can show us something over the final four games here. 
But guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live and Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. Like, subscribe, leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Check out the community discord. And of course, this show was brought to you by BetOnline and Prize Picks tonight. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next time. Have a great night, folks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.